Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. He, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Thank you very much, Janine. All right. Welcome out to church uh, this morning. We are going to be starting a two-week series starting for today and then next Sunday called The Conversationalist. And uh, a conversationalist is someone who is good at or fond at engaging in conversation. Uh, perhaps maybe you're here and you're married and you, maybe it's either one or the other that loves a good chat, right? It's, uh, you kind of like, you know, hey, or it's, it's, it's that time to go home now. You're at a friend's house for lunch or dinner and, you, you know, you have one spouse that's just going like, all right, see you guys. And then you have the other spouse that just keeps, you know, gas bagging and keeps, you know, keeps on chatting and, oh, what about this? And then another 25 minutes goes by and then all of a sudden now it's dinner time and it's, oh, why don't you just stay for dinner? You know, there are people who love having a chat. And uh, I guess the conversationalist really are someone who loves to spin a yarn, you know, someone who has potentially the gift of the gab. Uh, and perhaps maybe you're here this morning and you, re- you relate to that. That's you. You recognize that, hey, man, I love, a, I love a good chat. I do like a good chat. My wife sometimes stresses her out. She's like, come on, mate, you just got to stop talking. So, um, but Jesus was a conversationalist. Jesus was, in fact, a wordsmith. Uh, he was a storyteller. And Jesus would often use uh, parables, which were like simple stories, to help illustrate truth. 
to help paint pictures in the minds of the listeners using his words. And uh, this is how many people that were listening to the messages that Jesus was sharing or preaching, this is how they were really able to understand or get a grip on spiritual truth. Jesus was a master communicator. He had the ability to connect with people on any background, any culture, any vocation, any stage of life, from those in high positions of power and influence to those who were just trying to get through the daily struggles of life. He was able to communicate to the strong all the way down to the weak, to the rich and famous, to the poor and the unseen. Jesus was the king of conversation. He loved to chat. And uh, this morning, we want to look at the parable that Janine just read for us this morning, the story that Jesus used to illustrate to us a powerful kingdom truth. So to give you a bit of background, in Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching people. He's, there are people all around him. Jesus is just having a chat, speaking about different things. He's addressing uh, things from being the greatest in the kingdom of God to causing other people to stumble in their faith. He uses uh, a story to illustrate God's heart towards those who wander away and may be alone and isolated in the hope that we too, as his followers, would have the same heart and go after and help them. He's just speaking to people. And this is where we find our passage that we want to explore this morning. But uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to read very quickly verse 15 of chapter 18. Boom, boom, boom. Do we have this? Boom. All right, my man. Thank you very much. We want to look at this morning the lessons from the unforgiving servant. And uh, verse 15, we have the rest of the text there, but I just want to read verse 15 very quickly. Jesus says these words, and this will help give our text or our passage a bit of context. Verse 15 says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. You see, the context of what we're about to explore this morning is about relational conflict. And Jesus uses this story to teach us a lesson in forgiveness. And we must go back to Peter's question on relational conflict because Peter was renowned as the outspoken disciple. You know anyone that's really kind of they talk before, they, they speak before they think, right? Parents, you've, have you ever said to your kids, you know, think before you act or think before you speak or do something? And, uh, you know, the reality is this wasn't Peter's strength. Uh, Peter was often found speaking or doing something before taking a bit more time to consider what would actually happen if he go, went and said that or did that. And some people may know this as impulsive. You, know, you people know any impulsive people here, Right? And you just kind of do things without really thinking about it first. You go, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done that, or maybe I shouldn't have said that, right? You said something, and all of a sudden, you're like trying to catch the words as they leave your mouth. You know, the ah, la, 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 la. You're trying to take it back. Impulse. Think about when Jesus uh, was about to be arrested. He's just been betrayed by Judas. And uh, all of a sudden, the guards are coming in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is there, and, you know, the guards are there ready to take Jesus, ready to arrest him, and uh, on his way to be crucified and judged and crucified. And 
Peter goes like this. Like a guard grabs Jesus, and Peter goes, uh-uh, bro, take your hands off. And he literally pulls out a sword, and he ta- launches at the guy, swings at it, and he cuts off the guy's ear. Right? And essentially, he missed, really. I know we're talking about this with a few of the guys at Youth on Friday, but he missed. But he wasn't a soldier. He was a fisherman, so we can't, you know, kind of hold that against him. But Jesus speaks this legendary quote, and he says, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. So Peter acted without any forethought. He was a bit impulsive. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is a good idea, and let's just jump in and do it without really considering the, the consequences. Peter was that guy. But we love Peter because, yes, he was that guy, but he was the guy that would ask the questions that many other people are thinking, but they're too afraid to ask. Jesus spoke about relational conflict. He says, uh, again, let's see if we've got it here. Praise him. Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. Another translation says this, moreover, if your brother sins against you. And it's a lot more personal, isn't it? When someone sins against you, it's a lot more personal when someone hurts you, when someone betrays you or abandons you or gossips about you or slanders you, perhaps maybe broken your trust or violated your safety, took advantage of you or perhaps offended you. When somebody sins against you, it's a lot more personal. And Jesus is saying, if someone sins against you, go to him or her alone. Just the two of you. Don't put it up on Facebook. Don't put it up on Instagram. Don't put it up on Snapchat. Ah, they hurt me. The end goal. Jesus saying, go work it out privately. But the end goal was reconciliation and restoration. This is the context of the passage that we've read this morning. No one says a word when Jesus is talking about this. If someone sins against you, go to him and her. And you can read the in-between verses in your own time. But no one says anything until Peter. Right? Check this out. Verse 21. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And then he says this. Up to seven times? You can imagine, right? Jesus is there. Peter's like, oh, I've got a question, Lord. I've got a question. But how many times, God? Seven times? He's like, you know, seven times. And you can imagine those who wanted to ask, but were too afraid to ask, back Peter, get behind him and say, yeah, yeah, what about that, Lord? Yeah, Lord, what about that? Because, you know, every disciple has a Kiwi accent. <laughs> what, what, yeah, yeah, Lord. I was, he stole my question. I was going to ask that too. Thank God for Peter that he wasn't afraid to ask what everyone else was thinking. What if someone is a repeat offender? And this is where things can get complicated. What if there's ongoing conflict? What if there's ongoing disappointment or ongoing frustration? What if I get hurt again? What if it happens again? I don't want to go back there. You see, Peter's question is valid. It's a valid question because in this life, 
you and I will experience relational conflict. How many of you here have ever been offended? Have ever been insulted? Have ever been disappointed? Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 1, he says, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. And there are many reasons for this. You know, someone will say, man, I just need to go find the perfect church. Well, find the perfect church, it's empty. There's no people there. And the moment we step into it, we make it imperfect. Someone used to say to me, where there's people, there's problems. Hey, man, that's life. We've all got issues. Why do you think we need God? Peter asks the question and gives a possible answer. How many times, Lord? Up to seven times? You can imagine this guy, right? He's like, whoa. Yeah. It's just for kicks and giggles. That's the word in a Kiwi accent. He's like, yeah, Lord. Um, how many times? I reckon seven times. What do you reckon? Surely that's plenty of chances, Lord, seven times. Normally it's three strikes and you're out, but I'm going to go seven. Because I'm a Christian. <laughs> how generous, right? How generous of Peter. And this is Jesus' response to that. I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Other translations say 70 times seven. And I don't know about you, but I had to use a calculator to do the maths on that. That's 490 times. Thayer's definition of the Greek word in this passage essentially defines it as countless times. Countless times. And Jesus wanted us to understand that it's not about a number. But it's rather about the condition of our hearts. I think having a number would give us justification to write people off. To write them off. One time too many. You heard that saying, you know, hurt me once, your fault, hurt me twice, that's my fault. But it's not about the number, it's about the condition of our hearts. And then Jesus shifts to sharing a parable, a story about the unmerciful servant. He starts off by saying this in Matthew 18 verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus is bringing a spiritual comparison to help us further understand what he meant by 77 times. He speaks about a king. He speaks about a leader or someone in a position of high authority. And this man is going to settle accounts with the servants who are in debt to him. And the day comes where he sets out and there is a man who owes him a hefty sum. And the Bible says it's 10,000 bags of gold. I don't know about you, but if you had 10,000 bags of gold, you'd be in a pretty good place. And he wasn't able to settle. The due date came and he wasn't ready for it. And he wasn't able to pay. He wasn't able to settle. He wasn't ready for that day to come. And you can imagine the fear, the anxiety, and the stress that would overcome this man. The master then orders that that he, his wife, and his children, and all of their possessions rather be sold in order to repay the debt. You think about that. Your kids, your wife, 
gone. We don't know why he wasn't able to pay it back. It was a poor management maybe. Who knows? But the debt would cost this man literally everything. And in desperation, listen to verse 26. The Bible says, At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Can you imagine the despair? Can you picture in your mind the anguish and the terror that would be running through his head right now? He resorts to the only thing left to do. He begs, he gets on his knees and cries. He pleads with the master and in desperation, he humbles himself. I got nothing left. I can't give you anything to pay this back. And here we see the king's response in verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. If you ever had a collection or recovery agent chasing you for money or someone overdue bill and then all of a sudden they just call you up and say, hey bro, don't worry about that, we canceled it, we take pity on you. I want to tell you, you want to be doing this. You know what I mean? The, sir, the master took pity on him. And cancels the debt. Adios. And he let him go. The word pity in the Greek means to be so greatly moved by compassion as to have the bowels yearn. You picture that. The bowels. You know, the bowels. (laughs) The bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. That's why it meant so much. He was so moved. The king is experiencing this deep compassion for this man who's pleading. Please. Please, my wife, my kids, I'm about to lose everything. I can't do this, but I will, please. So much so that the king cancels the debt completely and releases him. Can you imagine the relief? You know, that lifting of the heavy burden. You ever had a heavy burden on your shoulders? And it's like in the forefront of your mind. You're thinking about it. You're stressing about it. And it's just you feel exhausted within the hour. Think of the liberation, the freedom, the realization of the mercy he received. You know what mercy is? Withholding what someone deserves. The master withheld what he deserved. Because if he was thrown, everything sold, and thrown into prison, that would be just according to the master. The man couldn't pay him back. But this man didn't do anything to earn a pass. And yet, Because of the king who was merciful, forgiving, and redemptive, this man now walks in newness of life. And what an incredible picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the king. You and I are in spiritual debt because of our sin. The price was too high to be paid on our own. We couldn't do it on our own good deeds or will or whatever it is. Left in a state of hopelessness with God. And then Jesus stepped in, paid a debt that you and I couldn't pay on our own. And now we stand forgiven. Now we stand redeemed and set free because of the finished work of Jesus. And that's it. 
Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to tell you, none, no one here would dare begin to point the finger and say, you need to do better, or you need to do this. I want to tell you, we're all on a journey. We all need God in our lives, and this is the living hope that we share this morning. Even when we are far from Him, He loved us. Listen to this in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have received such a gift. None of us deserve the forgiveness he offered. He gave it anyway. Why? Because this is mercy and grace. And the man in our text, although having been set free from his death, the Bible says he was confronted with the same situation. It says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. So a servant under him who owed him only a hundred silver coins. Let's just pause right there. You ever been bent out of shape because someone didn't pay you 10 bucks? Oh, I'll pay you back. You got me, bro? You got me? I'll pay you back. It's only 10 bucks and you get bent out of shape. This man owed 10,000 bags of gold. He grabbed him, began to choke him. This is full on, man. Pay back what you owe me, he demands. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Looks familiar. But he refused. And instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. How is the man going to pay the debt if he's in prison? When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. So at this point, you can imagine the crowd beginning to understand what Jesus is talking about here. This was a forgiven man himself, and yet someone owed him, but he couldn't extend that same mercy to other people. Perhaps this man lost his appreciation for the pardon that he received from the king. Maybe he lost appreciation for the gift that the king gave him. There is a story in the book of Luke chapter 7. Jesus makes a statement, and this has always really, really hit me about uh, just when I see people who are just, they have this incredible love for God and it's so inspiring to watch. But Jesus in Luke chapter seven, he makes this statement about a sinful woman. This woman comes into like a, it's like a lunch or a dinner party there and there's all these, you know, like prim proper religious people that were there, all the leaders of the Pharisees that were there and, and they're having they just say a big bucket from KFC. And so here they are, they're you know, sitting around and everyone's like enjoying themselves. And this woman walks in the house. And this woman, the Bible de describes her as a sinful woman with a, an expensive jar of perfume. A lot of people say it, it could be the equivalent of a whole year's salary. And she pours it out on Jesus' feet, cries tears experiences God's forgiveness and begins to just wash his feet. And it causes a bit of a scene. You can go on Luke 7 yourself. But listen to this statement from Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But listen to this statement. I love this. 
But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So the person who recognizes that they have been forgiven much, loves much. I wonder this morning if we need a reminder of how much God has really done for us. If we look at the end of Jesus' story, he says these words, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how, listen to this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's the issue. How many of you know that we can get so caught up on, yeah, but they did it again. What happens if, I I just don't want to experience the pain. I don't want to be rejected again. And it's here where Jesus says, it's not an issue about whether or not you can just, you're justified to write people off. It's an issue of our hearts. We are to reflect the same mercy and forgiveness that we have received and extend that to other people, even if they don't deserve it. And that can be tough. Even if they don't deserve it because it's an issue of our hearts. I was talking to uh, Mel just before the service, and I'm going to use it, Mel. Um, so thanks for that. isn't really good. But there's an old saying that says, bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting the others to get sick. But there's another imagery which um, Mel shared, which I absolutely love. She was like, picture a snake, right? Picture a snake in your mind that's slithering, and all of a sudden it starts to slither uh, just past a saw, like a hand saw. And it starts slithering right next to the sharp blade and then cuts itself. And all of a sudden, the snake's in a pain, like, oh, you know, this thing nicked me. So then it constricts around the saw. It gets upset, so it's going to retaliate. And it begins to curl itself around this saw. But the more it's curling around the saw, the deeper the wound's getting. But it keeps holding on. And it gets tighter and tighter. And the tighter it holds the more pain it's experiencing. And it's such a great picture of what Jesus is talking about here. Sometimes we've got to let it go. The pain will stop if you let it go. Because bitterness can ruin our lives. There are people who have suffered greatly by others. And I don't want to dismiss your pain. I don't want to dismiss your hurt this morning. Or for that matter, even diminish what has happened. But we need God to supernaturally enable us to forgive others. Because it's not so much the situation or the scenario. The issue is our own hearts. They may not deserve it. They may not even care for it. But the lesson in our text is more about me. Matthew 10.8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. This morning, I wonder what the Holy Spirit can really speak to you. This can be a very confronting subject for people, especially when you have experienced a lot of pain. 
So I wonder this morning if we can bow our heads as we invite the musicians to come up this morning. But I just want to pray for us and ask God's hand of blessing his direction and his healing. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for who you are. God, you forgive us for everything that we have done that's hurt your heart. The things that have damaged our own lives, Lord, that while we were far from you, God, you died for us, Lord. You loved us. You extended that mercy. You extended that grace, God. And we know, we acknowledge right now we don't deserve any of it, God. And we can't earn it by what we do. So God, we just pray, Father, for people here this morning. God, you know the heart. You know every situation. And we're grateful that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. So we cry out this morning, God, asking that you would heal our hearts, Lord, and and help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. God, that doesn't mean that we're just going to necessarily let some of these people back into our lives directly and, and all that, Lord. But, Father, I just pray that you would help us. If there are people here who are greatly distressed, God, by people that have hurt them, the pain of the past, I just pray, Father, that you would guide them, Lord, to, to get the support that they need, Lord. Bring healing in their hearts, Lord, and wholeness and completeness. Father, help us, Lord, to rid ourselves of bitterness. Oh, God, remind us. It's not about, Lord, just a justification to write people off, Lord, but it's rather about the condition of our own hearts. So, God, write this upon the tablet of our hearts this morning. Teach us to forgive. Teach us to be free. And we're asking you, Father, that you would extend your hand supernaturally and help us in these areas. Father, we thank you that you're trustworthy. And we thank you that you're faithful. So, Lord, we place our confidence not in ourselves, not in our own understanding, but, God, we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And we thank you, God, and we give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,